trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 47 state bars, LawPay. Hi, I'm Stephanie Francis Ward, a senior writer with the ABA Journal. In more than 20 years of talking to well-known attorneys who love their work, I've learned that many have a lot of advice on matters both in and outside the law. And sometimes I'll ask them about things they know now that they wish they would have known at the start of their careers. I want to share some of that advice with listeners. So we've created a special series, Asked and Answered, Lived and Learned. In this episode, I'm speaking with Andres Gallegos. As a third year associate, Gallegos, with his wife and children, was in a terrible car crash, which resulted in him having quadriplegia. After he finished a physical rehabilitation program and was ready to go back to work, some of his law partners suggested that he leave private practice and find a job doing government law. However, that wasn't what he wanted for himself. Welcome to the show, Andres. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie. So tell me, based on your experience, What's your advice for coming back from a setback on your own terms versus meeting expectations that others have for you? Stephanie, the most important thing that I learned uh, while I was doing my rehabilitation, and I should mention, I was in the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago for six months following uh, the car crash, recovering from my injuries and rehabilitating. And there's a sense of determination and stubbornness that gets you through your time at the Rehabilitation Institute and that served me well when I came back to practice. Because when I learned that it wasn't, it wasn't the, all the firm, but a couple of the partners, and they were well-intentioned, said, hey, look, maybe you're best if you go seek a government job, go work for the state or go work for the city as a lawyer, implying that I may not be able to develop my own book of business and continue on in private practice. But that same determination and stubbornness that served me well in the RIC also served me well dealing with that particular situation and persevering and developing my own practice, continuing to practice the law that I wanted to practice. Did you have a moment when it occurred to you, I'm going to do what I want to do? This will change things seriously, but I am still going to do what I want to do. What was that moment? Believe it or not, that that happened early on while it was in the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago, because I had just started developing a number of, of clients and clients throughout the country. And I was determined not to let them go. And so while I was in the RIC, uh, still rehabilitating and trying to define who this new me is, I continued to work. There were clients that I continued to do work for and speak with, and they really didn't know what the extent of my injuries were. And, you know, I explained I was in a car accident and and I'm paralyzed, but uh, the extent of that, I, I didn't know at the time, you know, that would result in complete quadriplegia, nor did they. And, and... And what I've learned is they, they didn't particularly care uh, what occurred to me. They were, they were sad that it occurred to me. But my best clients, and they've been clients now for 25 years, they don't care if I'm green, if I'm purple, if I'm blue, if I have two legs or four legs. They want me for my mind and for my advice, and that's what I give them. And it sounds like it never occurred to you that you wouldn't do what you wanted yeah. to do. So what was your reaction when some of the partners said, hey, you might want to go work for the city now? Yeah, well, I, I, I quickly told them that wasn't my intent, that I, I, and I was determined to work even harder. I'm Hispanic, and when I became a lawyer in 1993, uh, what I learned is coming to the city of Chicago to practice, that I had to work as a minority attorney. I had to work harder than most in order to demonstrate my qualifications and my capabilities. And then when I became a double hyphened attorney, and that is a Hispanic disabled attorney. 
I knew I had to work even more harder, again, to show individuals and myself that I could do what I've always dreamed of doing, and that was becoming a lawyer. And so when you got out of Rick and went back to work, what did you do with your career next? Did you stay at the firm? Did you go do something else? If you no, I, I stayed at the firm. I eventually became a partner at that firm. I was there 11 years total. It was three years into my career at that firm when the accident occurred. And then I stayed with them um, for nine years more. And then uh, I left the firm and joined my current practice at Robin Solomon and Pat here in Chicago. What worked for you in terms of advocating for yourself when you came back to the firm with accommodations that you needed? Well, Stephanie, at that time, I had no intimate knowledge of what the Americans with Disabilities Act was. It's interesting because when I graduated in 1993, in 1992, the ADA regulations became effective. And so I knew about the ADA, but did not know in detail all what it covered and the protections that it would give somebody who's disabled in the employment arena. Um, so my advocacy was simply just trying to define how to do my job the best that I could, as easier as I could using technology. And so the things that I thought I needed, I simply asked for to help me uh, try to develop my practice again. And you are now, you chair the board of directors at Access Living Chicago. That's correct. Can you tell us a bit about how it's an independent living organization and how for someone who experiences a disability as an adult, how he or she can work with independent living organizations to help them and others. So Access Living of Metropolitan Chicago is one of 22 centers for independent living in the state of Illinois. Centers for independent living are funded partially through federal grants and, and state grants. And their charge is to advocate for the rights of persons with disabilities and teach them how to live an independent life as they choose. So what Access Living does is provide a peer mentoring for individuals who are disabled, connecting them with others that have the same type of disability to teach them how to live within the community, how to live independently, how to manage their finances. Uh, they have courses on financial literacy. They assist in job coaching to prepare individuals for jobs uh, with their disability and uh, transition individuals out of nursing homes and provide community support services as well. Access Living is perhaps the preeminent center for independent living around in the country. And its reach is not only in Chicago, but it has a nationwide impact as well because it advocates not only for individuals, but for a class of individuals on a policy basis, that whether that be for Medicare and Medicaid, or right now we, we have a litigation uh, against Uber to make sure that their uh, vehicles are gonna be accessible for people with disabilities as well. So. So if anybody has a, a family member that has a disability and needs that kind of support and guidance, then Centers for Independent Living around the state and around the country exist to provide that kind of assistance. So we're going to take a quick break for a message from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. Did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those using traditional payment methods? With LawPay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, you can accept client payments online, via email, or in person, no equipment needed. Visit lawpay.com slash podcast to sign up and get your first three months free. And we're back. So if someone experiences a disability as an adult and they're discouraged or maybe are having second thoughts 
about doing what they want to do. What advice would you have for them? Get over it. Pursue your dreams. Dreams exist and they become realized, can become realized, even if you have a disability. I determined early on that disability was not going to define me. It defined how I got around. It defined my mode of transportation. It defined, in part, the manner in which I get my work accomplished. But I think I'm more efficient than some of my older partners that haven't embraced technology because I use a system called Dragon Naturally Speaking to facilitate my ability and compensate for my inability to type quickly. I only have the use of, of two fingers to be able to type. But I use other things to help me as well. And I think what I've learned is that the only limiting factor to someone with disability achieving their dreams are the environmental barriers that exist. But if you're determined to pursue your dreams and live your life to the fullest the way that you define it, you can achieve that. You can definitely achieve that. And you mentioned the environmental barriers. I think sometimes, not always, but sometimes in the corporate setting, people do not want to discriminate against someone who has a disability, but there is a fair amount of uncertainty as to what they should do mm -hmm. and interact, going, you know, in addition to following the ADA, of mm -hmm. course. Do you have any advice on that? Yeah. So one of the things that I, I try to do every time when I meet somebody is to uh, make them feel comfortable with me. And so that means understanding that individuals are going to be a little bit unsure of how to communicate with me, how to interact with me, etc. And so what I would advise any person who's not disabled interacting with the person who is disabled is just speak to them. Speak to them in the same manner that you would speak to anybody else. You need to be careful in terms of touching. If you think you want to assist them, allow them to ask for assistance or ask them if they need assistance instead of simply assuming that they need assistance with something. And so I don't like anybody touching my wheelchair. And people, again, with good intentions, will try to assist me and say, no, let me help you. And perhaps they'll, they'll try to push the chair or do something else when I don't need that. And so it's always important to understand that the individual can dictate what it is that they want, what it is that they need by way of assistance. But to get comfortable talking to somebody with disability, just talk to them like you would any other person. But again, don't make assumptions on what their preferences or desires are in terms of assistance. And that's just about everything we have time for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephanie, so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard today, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and check out our other special edition Lived and Learned podcast and the ABA Journal's Asked and Answered series.